I'm so glad to be here today with you guys. We've been in the series called Christmas at the Movies. And uh, like Tiffany mentioned, we've been looking at some of our favorite uh, Christmas movies and we've been attempting to connect the dots uh, between uh, some of the themes that we pull out from some of these movies and, and connect the dots to some spiritual truths. Today we're looking, uh, taking a look at the, the movie, the Christmas classic, Home Alone, and it's about a somewhat large, somewhat chaotic family who decides to head out for the holidays, and out of all places, they want to travel very far away from their home to Paris, France. And the movie chronicles the last few hours, the night before the big flight to Paris, and that's when we meet our main character. I got a picture of him right here, Kevin McAllister who is noticeably upset as he's one of the smartest, he's the smallest, I'm sorry, he's like kind of the runt in the group, he's the smallest in the, in the large family, and so he's often uh, overlooked uh, in, the, in his large family, he's often uh, ignored, and uh, he's even bullied by some uh, in his family as well. And so this leads Kevin to kind of act out and, uh, and to rebel, and this unfortunately leads to an argument, you guys remember this argument between him and his mother, uh, I didn't remember, it was pretty heated, I rewatched it, I was like, oh man, what did he say to her, uh, you know, to say that he, and then he ended up being punished and sent to the attic, uh, and in the, pro in the process, he makes a wish uh, that he would soon regret, I have the movie clip just to refresh your memories, so you guys can check it out right here, check out what happened. How many of you ever said something you, you wish you, you regretted it, like immediately after it left your mouth, right? I think that's kind of what we see, uh, and I almost felt, uh, like when I watched this scene, rewatched it, because again, I, you know, I saw it recently, I was like, I felt awkward, you know, because, uh, maybe because of how realistic the scene is, uh, and how often, you know, we tend to say things and immediately regret it, you know, right after, after it leaves our mouth. Well, you, you guys know the, the, the movie. Eventually, he gets what he wished for, and his family accidentally leaves him home as everyone else heads to the airport for the trip to Paris. Uh, throughout the movie, uh, Kevin learns a, a very important lesson. He learns that family is loud, family is messy, and yeah, family can even be annoying, but they continue to be family nonetheless. He realizes the importance of family. And I think that this is an important lesson for us to understand as well. Though family has its shortcomings for sure, family continues to be family. But as wonderful as family can be, I bet some of you can also side with Kevin sometimes, right? You know, sometimes as well. I mean, family can be difficult. Anybody, can anybody amend that? Right? Family can be difficult sometimes. For you, uh, you know, for some of you, perhaps you're looking forward for those family get-togethers and those family dinners, and you can't wait for those dinner parties. For others, you're like dreading it. It's like what your nightmares are made out of, right? Like you dread going to those family dinners. But guys, family is family. And God designed family, and he designed us with a need for family as well. And, and of course, not every family looks the same, but family is family nonetheless. But today, our message isn't going to be around our blood or related family or in-laws that's not what we're talking about today. We're actually going to be challenged to look at God's word to see something that God has put in place for us. It's a provision that God has made for us in Jesus. And it's this. It's actually number one in your notes. And if you want to take out your message notes, you can follow along, click those pens, and you can jot in. There's a couple of fill in the blanks there just to keep you focused and, and tracking along what we're talking about today. This is the provision that God has made for us. And that is number one in your notes that church is a family. The church is a family. 
And to see this, there's actually a whole bunch of verses in Scripture that we can uh, pull out. But we're going to read these couple of verses. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. It says this. There is what? There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and what? And Father of all. Now, guys, there, there are many different types of families. Some families are large. Some are smaller. Some are really close together. Others are spread across by different states or even different countries. Some families are like the Brady Bunch, where everybody gets together and uh, every problem has a solution. Others are more like the Adams family, where they're trying to kill each other. Uh, maybe your perception of family is skewed because of past experiences. But like I mentioned earlier, God designed this for family. God designed this for relationship. And perhaps one of the best ways to describe the church is as a family. Paul mentions in this passage that there is one body. What does that mean? Well, it means that we are all one and we are all a part of the family of God. God through Christ made us one family. You know, Paul earlier in the book of Ephesians, he says that there is no Jew nor Greek, no slave nor free, no male nor female, that we are all one in Christ Jesus. And this means that under the banner of Jesus, we are a new family, which is why Paul says here that there is one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. And in this new family, we are all made brothers and sisters through Christ's work on the cross and God is our Father. Now, why is this important? It's important because if the church is family, that changes how we relate to one another. In family, guys, there's sacrifice. In family, there's service to one another. In family, there's commitment and loyalty. In family, there's responsibility. In family, there's love. So there's one question I want to ask you guys this morning, and it's this. Do you view the church as family? If you did, how might that change the way you view the people sitting next to you? Or the people sitting behind you? Or the people sitting in front of you? If you view the church as family, how might that change the way you see your role in the family? In a family, everyone has a job. Everyone has a responsibility. Everyone holds their weight and helps with the dishes and folds the laundry and puts away the groceries. Right? Everybody has a role in that family. And the church family should be the same way. But unfortunately, all too often, we have this more consumeristic way of thinking and we make church about our preferences and what we enjoy and how we like to be served. And my favorite song and my favorite style of music and, and the sermon is too long or the sermon is too short. And we make church about us. Oh man, we got everything bagels. Where's the cinnamon raisin? We make church about us. That's not what family is. In family, there's sacrifice. There's commitment. There's responsibility. In family, it's different. And church is family. Here's another thing. And I'm pretty sure you guys are going to amen this as well. Number two in your notes is this. That family is messy. Family is messy. And I don't think I need to make much of an argument for this. But I'm sure you already know. That family is messy. And as much as we love to have the perfect little house with the perfect little kids, and uh, you want the house to have the perfect scent, you know, a combination of fresh baked cookies and downy, 
right? You want your house to smell like that all the time. It just never seems to end up that way. It's always messy. Why is that? Well, because family is messy. It's messy because people are involved and people are complicated. You and I, we are complicated people. When you mix different attitudes and different temperaments and different personalities, things get complicated. And it's no surprise that in the church family, there's no difference. When you add a combo of all these different things, and then on top of that, add the cultural diversity and add the different upbringings and add the different socioeconomic statuses, it should almost be a recipe for disaster. A lot of times when people are looking for a new church, they're looking for the perfect church where, you know, where they're looking for the perfect church where they they're absolutely love everyone and they're loved by everybody. There's never any problems, and it's all sunshine and rainbows. People are looking for the perfect church. And the problem is that that church doesn't exist. And if it did, the moment any of us walked in it, we'd jack it up in a heartbeat. But the church family is a lot like our blood family. It's messy. Now, let me share with you why. Beyond all the differences, that's definitely a different attitudes, temperaments, personalities, upbringings, cultures, all that. But here's another reason. Let me add one more thing. Look at Romans chapter 3, verse 23. I would love for you guys to read this verse out loud with me. It's in your notes and it's also on the screen. Ready? Go. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The church, guys, is full of sinners. We are all broken and that drastically complicates things. That makes the church more of a hospital for the broken with Jesus as the great physician. And what does that mean for us practically? Well, if we're all broken, that means that the church is a messy place full of messy people. And I'm sorry to break the news, none of you are exempt from that truth. And since that's the case for every single one of us, then as a family, we can extend grace to one another. If the church is a messy place full of messy people and full of sinners and full of the broken, that means that we can extend grace to one another. That means that we can offer forgiveness to each other. That means that we can offer each other mercy. Because after all, we're all in the same boat. And because the church is messy, it also means that we can be a place with open arms, ready, willing, and able to welcome other messy people just like us. Do you view the church that way? Or are you living in an imaginary world where your perfect little church is full of perfect little people and there's no room for anyone else? The church is messy. The church is a family. And so as this family, it's also, it's messy, but it's also this. This is number three. I'm going to invite Hunter uh, to help us unpack this a little bit. Number three in your notes, family is necessary. So despite the fact that family is messy, um, it doesn't change the fact that it is necessary. So I want to read um, from Ephesians 4, verse 16. It says, From him, stomach so Christ, Jesus, the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. Um, so in that verse, we can, in, the, in that, that one verse, we can see the whole point of the family. Why is it necessary? Um, the first thing we need to point out is that Christ is our head. So as individual members, um, he, he's the one who leads us, guides us, and directs us. He's, um, if you will, this metaphor of the body, he's our head, okay? He tells us what to do, 
and we follow him. Um, number two is that there's a goal or aim to what we're doing as a body. So we're not just here like chopping it up, having bagels. There's a goal. What are we trying to do here as a family? Um, and that um, is to, if you look in the verse, it says build itself up in love. So that's our goal as the body is to build itself up in, in love. And the most important part, this is like very important, and this is why it's necessary, is we can only achieve that goal if each individual part is working together and contributing. So you see all that in that verse, like why is it necessary, how does it work, and what are we trying to do? Um, and so we need our family in Christ because without each other, um, we can't properly grow in our faith. That's what the verse says. We can't grow in our faith and our devotion to Jesus. Um, and when I was thinking about like why family is necessary, I'm like, well, you know, I'm asking myself that. Why is, why is it necessary? Um, I just like couldn't help but think about my own family, um, and maybe you don't have the best family model to look at, um, but that's okay. God can redeem anything. Um, but for me, family was always like the people that were there in the highest points of my life, in the lowest points of my life. It wasn't like I never questioned, oh, I wonder, I wonder if they're going to leave because of this, or like I never, I just knew that my family was going to be there. Um, and I, you know, that works the opposite way too, right? So I'll always be there for them. There are times in my life, and I'm sure yours. When um, things get a little tough and life's rough and uh, maybe it's um, heartache, maybe it's cancer, maybe it's – I don't know what it is in your life, but t- your life gets tough. And we need people there no matter what. We don't want people to bail on us in, the, in our hardest times. Um, other times I'm doing great, but someone else in my family is struggling. So there's this dynamic of we're always being there for each other, and that's, you know, that's in my own family. Um, so then I ask myself – well, if that's how earthly family should be, if that's how we think earthly family here on earth should be, how much more should we care and see the, the, our heavenly family? Um, so I just thought about that, and then this verse came to mind. It's 1 Corinthians 12, 26. I think it will be on the screen. Um, it says, so if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. And so you can see in that verse, that is the, we're here, you know, the body of Christ should be here in the highs and the lows, um, and we're going to need that. Some, you know, We are all different people. We have different um, life happenings, and so we need to be there for each other. The scriptures make very clear that if you have trusted in Christ for salvation, you are part of his body, his family, and God has designed the church this way. Uh, so to say, like, oh, I don't care to contribute um, or I don't care to be a part of that is actually to reject God's design. Um, so there's... In, in, Danny t- spoke about this. In Paul creates this metaphor of, of a body, right? Like we have different parts and members. Uh, and so the point of that metaphor is to say, look, um, every part of our body is necessary. It all has a specific design and purpose. Um, so would anyone here be comfortable saying, you know, actually, I don't need both of my eyes. I'll give one away. Or like, hey, I, can I get an extra nose instead of an ear? Like no one's saying that. And because we know that we need every little part of our body. It's, they're all useful. And so similarly, every person who's part of God's family has a purpose here. We need you. You need us. And more, and importantly, our community outside these walls need us. And so we all have a function to, to uh, perform here in our, in our family. Um, and so if the church has ever made you feel unwanted or unneeded um, because you didn't have some certain talent or you didn't, you, were, you know, if whatever it may be, if the church has ever made you feel like that, I want to apologize and repent because that is not the way Scripture and God views um, even the the lowliest of the low, the, anybody. So um, family is necessary. Um, and so now that we point out that family is necessary, it's important to point out that number four in your notes, it's family is present.
Family is necessary and family is present. You guys know that you each contribute something very special to this church family. And did you know that if you don't see yourself as an important member of this church family, then that there's something missing. You're an important piece of the puzzle. And if you don't see yourself that way, our, our, our puzzle, our art that is this church is incomplete because you are necessary. And family is also present. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 to 25, says this. And let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works. Read this next part with me. Not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. Would you guys just underline the first part of verse 25 there? It says, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing. One of the important parts of family is presence. Not presence like gifts, like what you guys are all waiting for to receive on Christmas, but presence as in being together, being in the same place. I want you guys to consider this. If God has provided a way for us in Jesus to form a new family, and He also gifts each and every single one of us, remember, you're necessary, He gifts each and every single one of us with complementary gifts so that we could better love and we can better serve one another, why would we selfishly reject the provision He's made and neglect to gather together regularly? Look at what the author of Hebrews says here. He says, let's not neglect gathering together as some are in the habit of doing. Can I lovingly echo the words of the author of Hebrews and say, hey, why are you neglecting this most important part of our walk with Christ? Guys, God has given us this gift. And I need you guys to see the person next to you and in front of you and behind you as a gift that God has given you. God has given us this gift, the gift of one another, and we drag this gift all over the floor. God gives us this family, but we laugh at God and we say, God, God, you don't know my schedule. God, I'm busy. God, I've had a rough week at work, so I'm staying home today. Or you look out the window Sunday morning and it's raining, and you say, oops, God, I'm sorry, God, it's raining. I know it rained all week and that didn't stop me from going to work or going to school. But uh, this gift of family you've given me, actually, it isn't that important to me. So I'm staying home. In these few verses, the author also tells us why we shouldn't be neglecting getting together. And this is the important part. If you don't get the why, then the what is not going to make much sense to you. He says, hey, man. When we get together, we can really encourage each other to grow in love. What does that mean? To grow in love of God and to grow in love of one another. And we can also encourage each other to good works. And how, what does that mean? And how we serve our neighbors and how we are good news in our community. Guys, nothing perhaps breaks the heart more of a pastor that when people don't understand how important this is. That as a family, it's important that we are present in one another's lives. 
and that we do not neglect gathering. So here's the, here's the question to reflect on. Think about this. Do you see the church as family and do you prioritize the gathering? Or is it simply something that takes the back burner and when it's convenient for you, maybe, if it's convenient, maybe I'll make it this Sunday or maybe I'll make it to life group or maybe I'll participate in that outreach or mission opportunity. But Danny, I'm going to be honest with you. That's number 10, 12, or 50 if on my list of things to do. Or is it a priority? As the author said, listen to the words. Let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let me encourage you to not neglect gathering together. Why? Because family is present. We're together. We seek opportunities to get together. Sunday, yeah, that's one of those opportunities. Life groups, that's another opportunity. Mission, that's another opportunity. In fact, this Thursday, we're going to be serving dinner to... Uh, some uh, moms that live in a shelter on Soydam here in the neighborhood, and we're going to be giving them presents, and you have an opportunity to be a part of that if you want. You can contact me for more information, but that's another opportunity to get together so that we can encourage each other to love God, to love one another, to be good news to our community. Now listen, as we wrap up our time and before we partake in communion and, uh, and we sing this last song, I want to tell you that the reason that we can be present as a church family is because we serve a God that is present. The reason we can be present in one another's lives is because we serve a God that is present. Look at Matthew chapter 1 verse 23. This is echoing the the prophecy from the Old Testament, echoed in the New Testament. Look at what it says, Matthew chapter 1 verse 23. It says this, See, the virgin, that's Mary, will become pregnant and give birth to a son, who is Jesus. And they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, what what does it translate it? Say that out loud. God is with us. You see, guys, this is what the Christmas season is all about. We read earlier that we have all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. And our sinfulness separates us from God. But God doesn't leave us in our sinfulness. He provides a way for us so that our relationship to Him may be restored. God gives us the gift of His grace in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Emmanuel, God with us. God is present with us in Jesus. He doesn't abandon us. He doesn't leave us helpless and hopeless in our sinfulness. He provides a way through Jesus. And Jesus comes, he lives the perfect life, the life that you or I could not live, a sinless life. And he died a wretched death, the death that you and I deserve to pay for the punishment for our sin on the cross. He died in our place. They buried him in a tomb and three days later he rose from the grave conquering Satan's sin and death. So that in his death we can experience forgiveness of our sin and in his life we can experience newness of life. And in order to experience this forgiveness of sin and new life, all that is needed is to receive God's free gift of grace 
And you have that opportunity to do that just right now. In your seat, if you haven't made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, in your seat, you can pray out. You can cry out to Him and say, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I'm in desperate need of salvation. And that salvation doesn't come, from my, doesn't come from my own good deeds. It comes from you. I put my faith in, in you. I surrender my life to Jesus. You can make that decision right now. And if you did, I want to I point your attention to the back of the connection card there. If you would, Everybody would take that out right now because there's some next steps for all of us to follow as well. But on the back, if you made that decision to follow Jesus, to put your faith in Jesus, make Him your Lord and Savior, Emmanuel, God with us, check that off and let us know. Because as your church family, we want to celebrate with you, we want to encourage you, and want to help you give you some next steps. And you have the opportunity to do just that. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up here, and they're going to lead us in one last uh, song as we sing about our good Father, as He is part of this family. Uh, And I'm going to invite you guys to partake in communion as you do. Uh, recall, remember, uh, as we drink the juice, it is representative of the blood of Jesus that was poured out for you and for me, for our sinfulness. As you partake in the bread, it's representative of His body, which was broken uh, for you, the lashes on His back for you. That punishment for our sin was taken upon Jesus. And take out a moment to repent of any sin as you, as you go and partake uh, in communion. And, and especially consider this, think about this. Do you view the church as family? And if it is, what are the ramifications of that belief? What do you contribute to this family? Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see the church not simply as an event to attend, not simply as a social club, uh, Lord, not as a chore, but that you would genuinely help us see the gift and the resource that you've given us, the church's family. God, I pray that through your spirit, you would help us to be the loving and encouraging and forgiving family that is needed. Thank you that you are Emmanuel, God with us, and that you are present with us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to make family a priority. God, that we would see this, Lord, not as a chore, but genuinely as a gift that you've given us, Lord. And for that, we are grateful. And Lord, as we partake in communion, Lord, may we do so from humble and repentant hearts, God. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, Lord, as we separate this time of worship and prayer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.